you're no longer sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Your interests really go and have a greater impact, not just on technology, but really everyday life. This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Open up your notebooks, let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the MarketScale EdTech Podcast Show. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and it's good to be back in the studio. You know, our holiday break was shorter compared to students and um, teachers, especially our college-age students and teachers. You get the whole month off. I miss that kind of break um, before our regular public school teachers and students They're headed back this week. The holidays has officially ended, and that's holidays with a A A-Z-E, right? Because it really is a holidays. Love getting to kick back, hang out with family, open those presents, drink some eggnog, the whole nine yards. But it's good to be back in the studio, too. I'm really encouraged by 2019. I feel like we're going to see a lot of interesting things come to light in the edtech space this year, whether that's hammering down on which technology in the classroom is really seeing the most benefits to changing in teaching methodologies, adapting to Gen Z and their classroom needs, whatever it is, it's going to be a big year. I can feel it. So for students and teachers headed back this week, don't fret. We've got fresh podcast content to carry you into the new year. And I'm going to make it a trend to start all of these EdTech podcasts with an education story of mine because I'm a big personal fan of educators. Uh, you know, it's just one of my many passions, I guess. I'm not an educator myself, obviously, but I had some really influential ones growing up throughout middle school and high school. I had some teachers that crafted my creativity and really let me shine and become the young adult that I am today. So the subject really gets me fired up. And today, my little education story is focused a bit more on really the post-education side of my life. Um, Graduating college, I think a lot of people get the feeling that, okay, my education time is over, time to enter the workforce and put my skills to good use. But something that I've learned, and I learn it every day because I have a lot of creative endeavors that I try and do in my free time, is that you really never stop learning. And there's a lot of value in continuous education and adult learning, really. Um, You know, adult being post-college, you are now in the workforce, but you find ways to keep educating yourself on things that interest you, things that are applicable to your career. For me, a lot of that is YouTube tutorials and searching education for things that I'm interested in. I edit a lot of video. I produce a lot of music. So whenever I'm stumped, boom, head to Google, head to YouTube, and typically the answer is right there. And it's an encouraging time to be a self-starter and to crave learning something new. Um, you know, even here at work at market scale, we encourage a lot of this continuous learning and adult level education by utilizing Udemy. And Udemy is a fabulous online tool where if you haven't heard of it, basically you get to sign up for a course 
the course is taught by a, an expert, a professional, and you walk out of the course with a small certificate and you have now acquired this skill. Um, and t- typically there are several lessons, uh, it takes several hours, but you walk out of it having acquired something new and being able to put something to good use. And MarketScale encourages our employees to use Udemy, and it's been a very nice perk and has encouraged me to branch out and spend some time digging into aspects of marketing, social media planning, some video editing, creative production that I may not have gotten to explore because I didn't have the tools. And so I think it's really important whether you are leading a company, whether you are an individual who's just craving some fresh knowledge, uh, you make those tools accessible to yourself. Find them, um, find discounts if they cost money, but a lot of times they don't. You know, there are a lot of free lessons out there that will help you learn new skills and Really, it's all about putting it into practice. So that's what we're talking about on today's podcast as a whole. Our features are both exploring the idea of continuous education and keeping your learning alive as an adult. And we're going to hear from someone actually at Udemy, which is an incredible nab. And I'm so glad we were able to get a voice to the company that inspires a lot of the continuous education at my company, um, but really worldwide and encourages that adult learning. Uh, We're also going to be hearing from founder and managing partner of eLearning Alchemy, and both of them, both the uh, Udemy professional and the founding partner of eLearning Alchemy, are going to explain their methodology for adult eLearning, which trends in the classroom are finding strides or not catching hold when translating to continuous adult education, and obviously how ed tech tools are playing in to this. So I'm looking forward to today's episode. Buckle in. If you're an adult, I hope you're ready to learn because that's what we're talking about today. Enjoy. first guest today is a passionate individual who's trying to transform corporate education and training, a lot of which can be described by most as a total drag. I mean, I know new jobs can be exciting and can be stimulating, but often the training side of it is not what gets people the most excited. Clint Clarkson, founder and managing partner of eLearning Alchemy Limited, has seen the transfer to eLearning in a lot of educational spaces, including in the corporate world, but he still sees that eLearning be pretty not fun, for lack of better terminology. Before founding eLearning Alchemy, Clarkson worked in aviation, transportation, healthcare. He worked at toy companies in manufacturing, construction, oil and gas. I mean, he has had a lot of different jobs. And at each, he's found that people are pretty much the same. I mean, yeah, the jobs have differences, different corporate culture, different functions, but nobody, regardless of their job, wants to be forced to participate in training that doesn't feel relevant to them. And this is a major issue in the corporate world. MarketScale host Sean Heath sat down with Clint Clarkson to get his take on why e-learning, especially in corporate scenarios, should be game-based, scenario-based, story-based, and character-driven. Basically, Clint argues that e-learning in these spaces should have a narrative. Let's dive in. 
Welcome to Market Scale Education Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath. You know, my grandfather always said anything in the world can be interesting if you're willing to be interested. And the world of training, the world of teaching, the, the method of transmitting knowledge from one person to another may be one of the hardest traits that we have as human beings. It's just, you would think it's as simple as presenting the information to someone They, of course, are fascinated with the way that you present it, and then they absorb that information and make it part of their daily lives. Uh, Not quite that easy. And someone to help me demystify that entire situation is a guest on today's podcast. Today, I have a pleasure of having a conversation with Clint Clarkson. He's the founder and managing partner for eLearning Alchemy Limited. Clint, Happy New Year. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Happy New Year's to you as well. So I'm, uh, you know, having spent a few years of my life as a corporate trainer, um, motivational speaker, worked as a teacher, I've been a tutor. Um, I am very familiar with the challenge of trying to be interesting, but I have always firmly believed in what my grandfather said. Anything can be interesting if the person that's learning it is willing to. Uh, to be interested. Do you find that to be the biggest hurdle when coming up with an idea or designing a way to to present information to an individual or even to a class? When we think about getting a learner interested in, in what they're going to be learning, uh, particularly in a corporate environment, one of the biggest challenges we have is apathy uh, within the organization towards the learning. And I'm not necessarily speaking about the learners. The learners pick that up from, from the leaders inside the organization. Uh, but there is a lot of research that shows that uh, when learning is more effective when it's properly supported before and after the learning event has occurred by, by the managers. And so a lot of that apathy that, uh, that translates into the learners and comes into a classroom or into an e-learning course while they're completing it is the result of the fact that the learners know their managers don't care. So why should they care? And it's you know, the learner comes in primed to just get it over with. And it's really difficult to bring somebody back from the brink when they when they've already jumped off that cliff. So really, it's about that that setup and that uh, the challenge of working with management to get the learner engaged. It's not so much that the, the the learner is outright already disinterested in training. It's that they're set up to be disinterested. You know, one of the ways that I always approached uh, a training class was I wanted to give them something as one human being to another that would help them be better at whatever they decided to do. And I always felt that 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 personal relationship that I tried to establish with, with my students was really was the make or break. Man, that's a day one. If you can get them to see you as a person that really cares about helping them improve whatever it is, the skill that they don't have or the improve the one they do have, that if they really believe that you are invested and you are honestly and truly invested in helping them become better at something, that that's 90% of the battle right there. Uh, no question. Uh, the the expression that I like to use is you need to meet the learner where they're at. A lot of times we walk into training or trainers walk into training with this assumption that the learner should be interested. 
because the learning was requested for some reason, it has some value to the organization or some perceived value to the organization. And we walk into the training class with the assumption that the learners get that. Uh, but the learners don't necessarily get that or they don't necessarily agree with that or they've had bad training experiences in the past. And there's this moment at the beginning of a training course, especially when it's the first time that you've trained someone or trained a particular group, where you need to make that connection with them so that that relationship exists and, and they know that you know where they're at. And if, if that understanding is clear, you can either just get through it together because sometimes with compliance training, that's, that's the case, it's just mandatory, or you can make that connection and then start having that conversation about the value, about the relevance, about how to make the training effective. But until you make that connection, it's really difficult. You're really just trying to force feed them. Now, in your career, you've had the opportunity to interact with a ridiculously wide spectrum of industries. You've worked with a lot of companies in a lot of different areas. Are there some things that you have found to be pretty universal, regardless of whatever the type of company is? Yeah, I think that I was just thinking about this the other day uh, because I'm preparing to hopefully speak at a few uh, construction conferences. And one of the things that often happens when we get into these more blue collar industries, these more uh, foundational industries like construction, roadworks, manufacturing, transportation, all of those, is that there's this assumption that their people don't like to learn, aren't interested in learning, and in some cases just don't know how. Uh, but that's really not the case. Like the, the people that we deal with who are working in construction, they're culturally, there's some differences that we need to pay attention to. But that doesn't mean that they want to go to training and not have any fun. And those are the industries that most frequently are saying, look, we, we just just give them the content. They're not interested in participation. So just just talk to them is essentially what the ask is. But that's exactly the opposite of what those people actually want. We're making these assumptions about the culture of a specific industry and applying it to training. And and while there are things there that we need to pay attention to as far as the the style of delivery and our personal style, it's problematic to think that because somebody's in a particular industry that we can't let them have fun. Everybody wants to have fun. Just the the interpretation of what fun is changes. So my grandfather on my uh, father's side said that it's much easier to drink from a straw than it is to try and drink from a fire hose. And training is where that little phrase popped into my head because I realized that I was never going to be able to teach anybody anything if at the same time I wasn't willing to learn something that would help me teach them. And you mentioned that earlier, being where the student is. What was the moment for you? Where was your straw slash fire hose moment when you got into instructional design? What was the moment that you just had to stop and go, oh, that's new? Uh, I I know that moment precisely. Uh, I had uh, been working with a collection agency. That's where I I got my start in learning and development. And I had started working for a Canadian airline. And uh, I wasn't originally in their learning and development department, but eventually worked my way there. And when I got there, I was excited. I'd been doing this already. I quote unquote, knew what I was doing. And I showed up to the the first instructional designers meeting to discuss some of the things that we were working on. And I don't think I understood a single word anyone said. The, The terminology, the references, the delivery styles, just everything everyone in the room said, I had no idea what they were talking about. And at that moment, I realized that I was in 
big trouble. Uh, my wife and I actually had a vacation planned. I went and spoke with the instructional design manager and said, you, you got to tell me what book I need to read. And uh, he gave me a copy of Understanding by Design, uh, Wiggins and McTie. And in, I actually divided it up into seven sections. We were on vacation in Jamaica, and every night when we went to bed, I'd read one-seventh of that book. And that was my introduction to, to instructional design as a serious profession, and then continued uh, down that path. Like, I knew there, there were things that I didn't know about instructional design, but I thought it was like reaching into the instructional design box and rummaging around and, and, and figuring things out. Uh, but when I reached into that box, it was a passageway into a warehouse that was filled with boxes. And I'm still trying to work my way through them. How quickly do, uh, how strong are your spider senses is what I'm asking. When can you really determine, uh, oh, you know, this thing's, nah, that's a flash in the pan. That's not based on good sound principles. Or is it different for, for any individual piece of information that you get? One of my claims to fame is that I authored the L&D Scenes comic series. Uh, and I actually used that as a tool to start getting into topics and, and drawing out the opinion of the masses, if you will. So uh, when a new technique is out or uh, a buzzword is becoming really popular, like in the past few years we've seen with micro learning and gamification, I'll start putting those into comics. And when I put them into comics and share them, the feedback that starts to come in is, you know, it starts out as, haha, that's funny and have a laugh, but inevitably somebody jumps in with a reference to an article or a reference to a research paper or, or they're just their own opinions. And you start to develop this, this understanding of what the industry as a whole is, is looking at a particular topic as. And that, be, that sort of becomes the foundation is that's, that's where I want to start from with an idea. And then from there, it's a matter of uh, just thinking about individual experiences. What projects have I worked on or uh, what projects have I been involved in that could potentially have applied that? And what do I think the outcome might have been? And sometimes just doing that sort of litmus test of if we had taken project A and applied technique A, what would have happened? And do I think that would have been successful? And if you think, yeah, that might have worked really well, let's apply it to another one. And a lot of times, though, you look at it and go, that just doesn't make any sense at all. The amount of effort at virtual reality is like this. And, and I frequently have this discussion is virtual, re virtual reality has great applications. There's certain situations where it's fantastic. The majority of the cases that it gets used in is totally not required and it's way too expensive. Uh, so taking all of those considerations and in, in in, in putting them sort of in the blender together, starting with sort of the, the opinion of the masses and then trying to think about how would this actually apply in real life is sort of the, pro the mental process that, that I go through. Uh, and then it's all about conversation and, and having dialogue with, with other learning professionals. You mentioned uh, comics and I'm not going to lie, I love comics, but... I have a different I had a different response when you mentioned that. I th was immediately reminded of the Greek philosophers, um, Aristotle, Socrates, and the fact that they taught through stories. Uh, parables are an incredibly powerful way to present whether it's a morality story or a, a functional mechanical uh, concept and trying to relate that in visual form is what comics do. You know, most comics, they're scenario-based, that the story and characters drive the, the narrative, they drive the experience. And it seems that the most successful way to present information to somebody is to give it to them in a story. Have you found that 
that approach is the one that feels the most successful or the most comfortable for you individually? Uh, unquestionably. Yeah. It, whether it's in comics or another form, uh, storytelling and coupling that storytelling with visuals tends to be the, the if it's not the, the element that actually delivers the content, it's the element that captures the learner's attention enough that allows you to deliver the content through another mechanism. Uh, when I, I worked in the transportation industry for quite a while and uh, with a trucking company that I worked with, one of the things that they did early on in their new driver training was they showed this video of a driver and it's, 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 I'm trying to think about how long it is. I think it's about 30 minutes, but it's a story of the driver and it's about fatigue. And ultimately he's looking at the, at the car in front of him. He sees a young boy in that car and then he falls asleep at the wheel and ends up running that car off the road. And it's an incredibly powerful, incredibly impactful where the, the, the driver and the, and the little boy end up dying and holy smokes, you know, everybody in the room's sort of shook, if you will. Now is a great time to start talking about safety and why safety is so important as opposed to just jumping straight into saying safety is really important, other lives are at risk, all of those things sort of ring hollow. But when you couple it with that story or you put that story first and then you have that conversation, people are in a completely different headspace. Well, the final point today I want to present to you is I want to make a statement and then have you respond to it. And the statement is this, e-learning does not have to suck. <laughs> your, your response. 100% true. There is, whew, here's the problem with the e-learning industry right now, and, and this is this is very broad stroke, but here's the problem with the e-learning industry right now, and it's partly also what's wrong with in-class training, is we don't have the same quote-unquote body of knowledge, or at least recognized body of knowledge, as something like project management. Like the, the PMBOK is, for project managers, the place to go to. In e-learning or, or really learning and development in general, we don't have that same level of recognition. And what ends up happening is we take people who don't know what they're doing and put them into these roles and expect them to be good at them. So when we take them in e-learning and we put the, or take somebody who hasn't built e-learning before, put them into an e-learning role, they build what they've seen before. That's their reference point. And what they've seen before is based on, you know, we're going back years and years into the early 90s if we want to talk web or even before that if we want to talk about other computer-based training. Uh, and the abilities of the technology was very limited at that time. Or you had to have advanced programming uh, to be able to uh, develop anything that was beyond text on screen and multiple choice questions. And unfortunately, that's continued to carry over and carry over and carry over. But the technologies now are so much more powerful and so much more capable uh, that we can do fantastic things with visuals, with stories, with scenarios, with branching. Uh, there's, there's so much that we can do now and not enough of it's getting done because we're just we continue to build what we built before. Well, I definitely applaud you and encourage you in your never-ending quest to ensure that e-learning does not, in fact, suck. And you know what else doesn't suck? Having the opportunity to have a conversation with you. I really enjoyed this. This was really interesting. And most importantly, I learned something today, which means it was a total win-win for me. Fantastic. I always enjoy talking about learning and development, uh, enjoy having conversations with, uh, with anyone who's out there that's uh, willing to listen or willing to talk back. So, uh, it's fantastic. Thanks very much for inviting me. Today, I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with the founder and managing partner for eLearning Alchemy Limited, Clint Clarkson. Clint, thanks so much. I hope you have a wonderful day and I look forward to talking to you again soon. You as well. Have a fantastic 2019. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. 
If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. Thanks again to Sean and Clint for putting that podcast together. Gotta love hearing how people are trying to find innovative ways to change up corporate training. Um, You know, like Clint said, often the apathy is what really gets people. And if they don't feel like the management is encouraging this education and the management behind the education, you know, doesn't imbue that, oh, yeah, this is helpful. This is something that matters. Then why should the employees care? Right. So I think it's a it's a tricky subject, but it's interesting to see ways that people like Clint are trying to revolutionize corporate training and really push it into the 21st century and um, yeah, get it in front of even Gen Z workers who are now starting to populate a lot of jobs and millennials are now going to cover the majority of jobs in the US. So it's the perfect time to implement some change. So for our second guest, like I mentioned, Udemy is one of our most used tools at market scale. And it's encouraging that we have a culture that promotes continuous learning no matter your age, because like I said, really, you never stop learning Um, no matter what you're doing, whether you're actively thinking about, oh, yeah, I'm educating myself. You are always learning. You're always finding something new at work. perfecting a process, learning a new skill. So why not do that with more intentionality? We figured what better company to gain some insight on the power of continuous learning than Udemy themselves. And we got to speak with the head of learning and development at Udemy, Shelly Osborne. She came on the podcast to break down trends in adult and continuous learning over the last year, what skills she saw as most desirable in the U.S. job market, and how programs like Udemy are helping diversify the workforce, especially in a time when older Gen Zers are entering the workforce and craving flexibility in their job. Here's MarketScale host Tyler Kern with the feature. All right, joining me now on the MarketScale EdTech podcast is Shelly Osborne. She's the head of learning and development at Udemy, the leading global marketplace for learning and instruction. Shelly, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to get to talk to you because uh, we we love Udemy here at MarketScale. So can you just start off by explaining a little bit more about what Udemy does and what the purpose behind it is? Oh, of course. I mean, you did a really great job in that intro, but Udemy is an online global learning marketplace and we have students and instructors from all around the world who either teach something on our platform or learn something on our platform. And and I mean anything. We have topics covering sourdough baking all the way to very specific uh, coding skills like Java. So it's really a diverse marketplace of different kinds of content. And we also have our Udemy for Business platform. And what's really cool about that is we curate about 3,000 of the top courses from that marketplace of, of many, many, many courses. And we package them up for organizations to use to upskill and, and reskill their employees. Yeah, so this is a, re- a really cool idea and a really cool concept of just of continuing your education, uh, whether you're in school and this is uh, supplementing it or outside of school and you are uh, growing further. So when did you first recognize this trend of adults uh, really continuing their education beyond these uh, their, the typical school years? 
Well, for me, I actually started my career as a high school teacher, and I started to see this happening way back then, um, both for myself as a teacher, recognizing that I was never done learning. I spent every single summer actually going to university in Spain to study up and, and get ready for that next school year. So it was pretty clear to me that that was happening and necessary for me. I wasn't ever done. And I started to notice that it wasn't ever sort of finished, the curriculum I was creating in my classroom. And that seemed to be transcending the education field, and it was in every single industry. And then when I moved into the HR and, and adult learning space, it was pretty clear that skills were evolving really quickly. And we weren't keeping up with our traditional educations. Our college or university degrees just weren't enough anymore. Yeah, that's a great point. And also, it seems that uh, nowadays, uh, adults are trying to be more well-rounded in their education, not just specialize in one thing, but I think people want to be good at a lot of different things. And I think maybe the marketplace dictates that to a certain extent, just that you, people want to be able to do video editing and want to be able to uh, know about marketing and social media and lots of different aspects of things, not just maybe one specific niche of their business. Well, I think it also ties to how careers have changed. Because if we think about, yeah, you want to evolve your skills, it's also shifted that people don't just do one thing for their entire lives. They often jump careers or try different industries or different fields. And I think both of those things really inform this need to keep reskilling and upskilling, whether it's that you want to round out and learn more about the things you do, or if you want to go try something completely different and move into another either position or field or advance, kind of both things tie into that. Absolutely. So what were some of the trends that you saw this past year in adult and continuous learning? Oh, I mean, it's been fascinating these last couple of years, watching the skills gap just sort of accelerate and, and seeing how that impacts how people approach and feel about learning. We do a couple of really interesting studies here at Udemy. We're always interested in learning more about how and why people learn. And it's I think probably the most interesting stat for me was how many people felt that learning and development itself was an absolute necessary thing at work. It was second to healthcare in our study. People wanted that as a benefit in their jobs. And that, I think, is a little bit contrary to what people think about traditionally when you think about training or learning at, the, at work. A lot of the stigma around it is that people don't want it or it's boring or they, they think it's just unnecessary. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right that people want to continue to push themselves and, and to grow and to become more well-rounded individuals. And I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, you mentioned earlier, and I, I thought this was great, just some of the various topics that you can study on Udemy. What were uh, some of the more popular areas of study from this past year that you saw? Well, I think the big data stuff has really been emerging. And you know, we think about all that data science stuff. It, it didn't even exist as a profession a few years ago, but now it's kind of table stakes. You absolutely need to be thinking about that in a modern organization. So we saw a lot of that happening. And then we, of course, see emerging coding languages start to pop up. We find a lot of people uh, use Udemy as a way to learn whatever those new skills are, uh, things like Kotlin, those, those types of, of courses. But of course, also those more traditional coding languages are, are pretty popular too, as uh, software engineering becomes even more ubiquitous across all sorts of different organizations where they have in-house engineering. That's just growing and growing. And of course, we see a lot of AI-based topics and, and machine learning. Uh, again, organizations today, it's table stakes to have those kinds of things just in place. 
for on a typical year, are you adding uh, a lot of different courses? Like, for instance, I mean, coding uh, a few years back wasn't even uh, on my radar as a big deal, but now more and more, it's become uh, just an explosion of things that that people are really interested in studying. Are you guys constantly updating and adding things along those lines as you see things kind of come into the forefront? Yeah, actually, the way our platform works is that it's not necessarily driven by us. It's driven by the marketplace Hmm. because instructors decide what they want to teach on our platform. And that's really the power of Udemy. When something is um, trending or interesting, there'll be somebody out there in the world who knows where they'll be. They could be in India. They could be in China. They could be in Brazil who will put a course up on our platform for that particular topic. And what's amazing is we've actually seen... um, we're actually kind of ahead of those Google trends on this stuff because people just are already starting to search and then somebody identifies a trend, builds a course, and, and people come to you to me to learn it. Uh, we've seen that with, with some coding languages. We see it with a lot of different topics. It's pretty incredible the way it works. So we're not actually driving the topic base. We're just creating the platform and opportunity for people to teach what they know and what they care about. That's really incredible. And uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit by saying that I'm old enough to remember when we weren't so connected and when it wasn't possible for a professor in Brazil to teach an online class. Uh, Me too. Yeah, Me too. right. So, uh, <laughs> so technology has certainly played a part in uh, in kind of closing this gap and allowing for this to happen. Uh, and and um, it's really played a part in, in changing our views in, on education, I would say, just because uh, we're, we're, we're able to do that now. So how do you see technology uh, maybe continuing to revolutionize that education space as we continue to move forward. Yeah, I mean, for myself even, I teach on the platform and I recently found out I have a student in Mauritius. And that kind of blew my mind. I hadn't ever thought that I would teach a student in Mauritius, but technology has given me the opportunity to do that. And I have thousands of students around the world. And and that, I think, is really what Udemy is trying to do. Our mission is to improve lives through learning and to help employees prepare for what's next. And I think that that technology aspect is essential. We've democratized the education experience. You can teach anything you want. You can be anywhere in the world and share your knowledge and, and you know, make a living doing that. But then on the other side, you can be a student anywhere in the world. And, and maybe your organization is, is forward thinking and has Udemy for Business as a platform internally. And you can use that to prepare for your next job. And it's connecting people from all sorts of different corners of the globe. Rather than expecting all learning and instruction to happen in these very hallowed halls and these very prestigious organizations, that's not the way we're going to be able to keep up with this changing skills gap. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And you know, we we were joking about our age earlier, uh, but um, kids nowadays. Don't tell anybody what they are. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay away from numbers and just uh, stay in a general ballpark. Um, but uh, kids nowadays are growing up as digital natives, and they they grow up alongside technology for their entire lives. And so, um, when I think about Udemy, I think of you guys being on the forefront, really, of this idea of younger generations experiencing learning in a different way than maybe I did grow up or, or you did even or something along those lines. So uh, I, I think that that's an important step in just recognizing how generations learn differently because of how they're raised. Yeah, I, I, I definitely hear that. The generation question comes up a lot. And mm-hmm. I know people are always bashing millennials too and saying that they, you know, oh, the millennials. And I think what we've seen is that technology is certainly more it's more normal for these generations who've grown up in it. But what we've noticed is that 
everybody appreciates the convenience of being able to, you know, quickly watch a course on their mobile phone while they're commuting into work, or the convenience of not having to travel hours away to an online training, sit in a conference room and be inundated for eight hours with content. Um, that seems to transcend this generational question that's there. Now, I agree with you. Certainly, those groups definitely are more used to it and they expect it. But I think that that's also an expectation that's emerging and growing in generations who didn't grow up with it, too. That's a really good point. I, I don't love being gener- you know, generalized and you know, kind of lumped into a big group. So that, that makes a lot of sense just to see people as individuals and people are always uh, hungry to continue learning and that sort of thing. Uh, so that, that makes a lot of sense. I think people are actually just, they just appreciate better. So yeah. it doesn't matter what the generation is. They're like, oh, it's, this is better. This is a better way to do this. Cool. I'm in. <laughs> do you have do you have some favorite classes uh, courses that you offer on Udemy? Whether it's sourdough baking or uh, you know <laughs> what whatever it might be, do you have some that you, you that just stand out as uh, these are unique or this is fun or this is this is really interesting or anything along those lines? Well, I, I absolutely love that sourdough baking one. I mention <laughs> it a lot because uh, that particular instructor I think is just really interesting. I've met her in person and I think she has a really cool story and it's a really interesting topic living in San Francisco and sourdough bread. But what I think is really kind of cool about the platform is that there's there's a course for everyone. So for me, I'm particularly interested right now in learning a little bit more about um, artificial intelligence and figuring out how I can incorporate that into the work that that we do at Udemy with learning about uh, personalization. That's really fascinating to me. But on the other hand, I also really enjoy the leadership soft skills kinds of courses because we're never done learning that. And especially in this time when those technical skills are changing so quickly, it becomes even more important for us to focus on that. So I'm always taking like a management course or a communication course on the back end. I just took uh, a Seth Godin course and um, I, I, I just really appreciate his approach to thinking and leadership and Kim Scott, a radical candor course I took recently. I love her thinking about a ruinous empathy, just really interesting topics. Those are really interesting topics. And and while this is not a uh, commercial by any means, we do love Udemy here at MarketScale. And we uh, encourage our employees here to take classes and we hold little graduation ceremonies, uh, I think once a quarter, just to celebrate continuing to learn and to uh, you know grow yourself while you work here at MarketScale. And I really appreciate that about working here. And that's why I, uh, I really do appreciate what Udemy provides uh, just to the working professional to continue to better yourself and to continue learning. So uh, we, we love Udemy here at MarketScale and uh, absolutely love what you guys are doing. Oh, that's so nice to hear. I, 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 it's really amazing to work at a company like this. We really believe that we're on a mission to improve lives through learning, and, and that transcends throughout our entire office. Everyone feels that. So it's great to hear stories like that, and I, I love that you hold a graduation ceremony. That's so <laughs> cool. Do you mind telling me what your favorite course is? Ooh, so I so I just started here at MarketScale, so I'm actually planning on taking a speech communication class uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks that I'm uh, I'm excited about. So that's what I'm going to be working on, just to continue. You know, I'm someone who talks for a living, so I'm going to continue <laughs> to get better at my verbal communication skills. Uh, but then I would really like to move maybe into like an intro to coding or something along those lines, because that's something I'm completely fascinated by, but know absolutely nothing about. So those are the ones I'm kind of eyeing right now as uh, going to be my first. Udemy courses. So I'm pretty excited. Amazing. You'll have to tell me how it goes. I will absolutely do that. That is Shelly Osborne, the head of learning and development at Udemy. Shelly, thank you so much for joining us on the EdTech Podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. 
All right, everyone. Unfortunately, that does it for today's episode of the Market Scale EdTech Podcast Show. I hope you learned something because, hey, that was the theme of today's episode. And I really wanted to get across how important it is for people to embrace adult learning, especially adult e-learning. I think that's what we got to see from both of our guests is that you don't need to turn to a textbook. You don't need to go to a class necessarily to expand your skill base to learn something new and to better yourself. You can do it online in the comfort of your own home at your own pace. There are so many tools out there. Find them, make themselves accessible and be encouraged in 2019 to learn something new. And hey, if you've got any questions, Udemy is the place to go. YouTube too, if you are looking for some free solutions. Um, I know I've used both, love them both. Um, Just get out there, you know, push yourself, find something new this year. I'm looking forward to hearing what you do in 2019. So again, everyone, thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And I'd also love to hear from all of you if you have any story ideas, you are a thought leader you think deserves a spotlight, or you know someone, a professional colleague, a friend, a family member even, that is important in the edtech space, is doing something innovative and has something to say, send them my way. Uh, Feel free to shoot me an email at daniel.litwin, L-I-T-W-I-N, at marketscale.com. Again, daniel.litwin. L-I-T-W-I-N at marketscale.com. And make sure to leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.